guess who's back? Guess who's back? I am back. Oh, guess who's back? And the interviews are back, too. Yeah, before we get into PX3 Prime on Wednesday, we got another interview here for you. I know Tom did a great job. Tom kept the boat afloat. But the interviews are back, baby. And the interview that we have here for you today is a fun one. Why don't politicians have beards? We found the man to answer the question. Christopher Oldstone Moore. He wrote the book of Beards and Men, The Revealing History of Facial Hair. We talk all about uh, uh, what signals beards send, how that meshes into politics. And by the end, man, I got a great, great, great lesson for you about the famous, the famous Dewey Defeats Truman picture. This was when uh, uh, President Truman won against his, uh, his, his challenger Dewey who was favored to win, and and of course the newspaper went to print saying the opposite happened, and boom, there was Truman to stun on him. But we have a facial hair-related little uh, story to it that might fill in everything a lot more. But before we start, let's remind everybody that you can support this show by heading on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Go ahead and sign up for the $3 level. Get two extra bonus podcasts in your life every week. All right. Let's go ahead and start the show. Politics, 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 My guest today is Christopher Oldstone Moore. He's a senior lecturer in history at Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio. And he is also the author of the book of Beards and Men, The Revealing History of Facial Hair. Chris, uh, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Glad to be here. All right. Now, I am am a bearded man. Uh, I have uh, been somebody that's had some form of facial hair since uh, high school, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. I I've always wondered in the political context why this is not something that is more common. But let's get a little general here. As a the man who literally wrote the book on facial hair, uh, what is the most interesting fact about it that people might not know? Oh, there are many. Um, the, the main fact that people should think about that they might not is that, you know, facial hair is a subtle form of communication. That is probably why we evolved it in the first place. And civilizations over time, our culture as well, have uh, used it as a way to communicate something about ourselves. So for bearded men and unbearded men, you might want to pay a little attention to what signals you're sending? Oh, okay. Well, uh, geez, uh, I, I don't know what signals I'm sending. What? How? How do I know? How do I know? <laughs> By reading the history. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. There All right. Uh, uh, so, so uh, uh, just broadly, though, like, what, what, what is a what, what does a full beard say uh, evolutionarily? Well, 
in evolutionary terms, it's meant to signal something about your the condition uh, of the man. Uh, that is to say, his health and his age, um, and of course, all evolutionary biologists are paying attention to reproduction. So, uh, it says something about your status as a potential mate. Ah, that you that you are are uh, uh, virile. And ready, ready to reproduce. Healthy, uh, not just virile, but also healthy and of you know the right age as well. Because once you get a little past the prime age, your beard starts changing color. Uh, but you know, you, it, before you're ready to be, uh, you know, a good partner, your your beard isn't much to look at either. So there's the age <laughs> issue. Uh, there's also the 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 look of the beard itself. Is it is it full? Is it is it healthy looking, shiny and all that kind of stuff. That's a good indicator of the health of that person as well. What kind of professions do you think lend themselves more to facial hair? Are, are there any that, that uh, seem to kind of uh, have woven themselves more into the fabric uh, of it or, or certain kinds of jobs? Well, yeah. Well, um, Let's take one uh, right off the top, and we might come back to this later, and that is uh, academics, uh, philosophers, teachers, that kind of pe- person. Um, and at some points as well, we'll include you know, uh, ministers, pastors of the church or other religious figures. These, uh, these people have had beards in the present and also in the past. Uh, and a part of that has to do with a long-standing association, Western civilization anyway, going back to the Greeks, with uh, the the idea that beards and philosophy and wisdom are connected. So that would be a you know, and you and you look around in universities, and what do you see? Lots of bearded professors, and what are they trying to signal? Well, that 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 connection, that history there. Um, that's one. Another one that you've seen in history, although you don't see it so much now, is 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 the military. Uh-huh. Um, but you do see it still a little bit. Uh, you can you can see it in royalty now and again. Um, the mustache was very prominent in uh, lots of times, particularly the 19th century and early 20th century, and. And even now, the mustache has a sort of a military look to it in our minds because of its long association with the officer class, especially. Yeah, I guess if if I were to think about what facial hair says in in a military context, then yeah, it's all military. I guess grooming in general is there to show discipline, right? So if you have right. a a uh, mustache, then that's something that you need to keep, right? You need to make sure that you're right. shaving every day and, and uh, it, would, right. it would fit well with, with other things that demonstrate that you are doing your regular due diligence for yes. you know, the, 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 the cause. Whereas I guess the long scraggly beard is, is kind of the, right. the opposite, right? That is, that is a, a hobo for a reason. Right, and and uh, I'll throw in the fact that you might uh, we also associate mustaches with uh, firemen and policemen. They're 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 building on that same tradition of sort of military men, uh, men of action, and uh, the idea that was developed all the way back in the 18th or even earlier than that, uh, the 18th century, 17th century, is that the mustache represents that discipline that you talked about. You keep it, you form it, you shape it, uh, you shave around, but 
On the other hand, it also is a little bit of flair of facial hair, which represents virility and dash and daring and strength. Uh, so it's a nice combination for a military man. All right. So let's let's get into some of the, the, the political element of it, because the last presidential candidate to run with any facial hair was uh, Dewey, he of the famous... Uh, defeats Truman uh, front page that was wrong, right? As Truman scored the upset. But that is a very, very, very long time ago. That is is over, I guess, as the next election, this election season comes around, it'll be over 60 years ago. So uh, is, why do you suspect that we have not seen a national presidential, uh, a serious presidential candidate try to rock some facial hair? Well, and that'll go back to my very first point that I think I introduced today, and that is that uh, facial hair sends messages. And uh, politics is perhaps the area of our civilization, our society, which is most sensitive to messaging uh, and including visual, visual messaging. And voters tend to pick up on those the, those subtle messages that even even exist a little bit below the conscious level, in the subconscious level. And so um, that's, I think, why politics is so averse to facial hair, because uh, we have a long history dating at least to the beginning of the 20th century in, uh, in America and also in Europe, too, uh, of associating facial hair with a certain type of man uh, as well as shaving with another type of man. Hmm. And the, 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 the shaved man is the, is the man who is associated with uh, professionalism, regularity, responsibility, uh, and ultimately trustworthy. And then the man with facial hair has been associated, at least since, again, since the early 20th century, as a man who's independent, he's an individualist, I'm going to use a political term here, a maverick. Okay. Uh, and and in, in cultural terms, maybe a bit of a rogue. Uh, you know how all the bad guys are all of the mustaches. Um, a bit of a rogue, a bit daring, a bit unconventional. And so when it comes to politics, voters are going to opt for trust rather than the daring and the unconventional. Uh, uh, and, and that that set of signals has been very strong, especially in the United States. Uh, we're very intolerant in our politi- uh, facial hair for our politicians. Now, that was not always the case, though. We, we, we did have facial haired politicians. And, and so uh, based on what you just said, you would assume that the cultural idea around it has yeah. shifted. Do you have any yep. idea on why that happened? Well, that shift happened, as I said, just at the beginning of the 20th century, <clears throat> and there were a couple of changes that occurred, and those changes have held in place, and that's the key thing. We're still, we're still in that <clears throat> set of factors that uh, came into play at the beginning of the 20th century, and I'll, I'll name two main ones. One is uh, the idea of hygiene, which we developed at the end of the 19th, early 20th century, and when we discovered microbes, and there was just a just a report uh, just a month ago. Another oh, report this came one. out. You yes. might have seen it. I, I did. I was personally offended. <laughs> and it's unfair, but it, it plays right into our perceptions that the 
beard and the mustache are just full of all sorts of terrible disease and and awfulness. So yeah. cleanliness. And, 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 and just just to fill in the listener, the the survey, which I if I'm if I'm incorrectly quoting it, I don't care because I think it was disgusting <laughs> propaganda. But uh, it it effectively said that uh, a man's beard could hold as much, uh, I guess, uh, damaging bacteria as like a toilet seat or a dog or something that's like that. what they said yeah that's it, it, it's not it's it's misrepresenting but it, it it's it's designed to scare and that's the kind of thought that they had starting in the early 20th century and the second thing which probably is even more important was the 20th century was the era of the corporation of professionalization uh, uh, of, you know, when we always talk in corporate terms about teamwork. Um, we even have the development of sports as well in, in American and European history. So uh, we started to value certain kinds of qualities like, uh, co- uh, you know, uh, cooperation, sociability, uh, professionalism, trust, uh, you know, we, these kinds of things. And then those were associated with shaving, literally corporations required their workers to shave. Uh, and they said, it's because we want a, a image of, of regularity and professionalism. And so we, we, we structured our symbolism that way. And that has penetrated deep into our subconscious and has stayed very strong in spite of like the 1960s and maybe because of the 1960s even, uh-huh. because you know that only reinforced the idea that facial hair is a bit rebellious. It's it's roguish, you know, and it's unprofessional. Um, and so here we are. We're still there. So I guess, yeah, that, that's the most recent. The most recent thing would be the fact that people think of beards as, you know, a, a, a bunch of hippies in Haight-Ashbury smoking weed. Right. And it's like, oh, well, that's certainly way far away from the steady hand at the wheel that I want for president. Right. And the hipster trend that we saw at the beginning of the 21st century kind of plays that into that. You know, the hipsters are buying into the beard saying, we're independent, we're not part of the system. We, we, we have, play by our own rules. And that's good for them and it's a nice image. But again, it reinforces that idea, you know, that if you want somebody who you can trust, who, who's part of the, con, who's not unconventional, or is conventional, then you better vote for somebody who's shaven. Now we've seen... Maybe the beginnings, a little smatterings of, of, of some of the comeback for the bearded leader, uh, uh, mm-hmm. love him or hate him, Ted Cruz, after his uh, victory over Beto O'Rourke for his Senate seat, all of a sudden debuted a salt and pepper beard that uh, I think objectively is kind of an upgrade to his normal face. Uh, <laughs> but do you think, because you're right, there are a lot of examples now where the modern business titan is the 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 disruptor the the dot com entrepreneur yep. and that's something that uh, a beard is common you know you you see a lot of uh, uh tech folk with 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 beards do you think that we might be on the cusp of some of those baked in beard prejudices uh, starting to melt away i i do i i as you I, you're absolutely right it's that it's that tech you know cutting edge tech people they 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 too don't. They they think of themselves as being a bit unconventional. They're not IBM, right? Yeah. And even you know Mac had those ads which tried to say we're not IBM, um, and 
and and that is meaningful that way. And I do think it will. It is part of certainly the softening and maybe some to some sense the dissolving of those cultural signals that uh, and that vocabulary, if you will, uh, that I just discussed earlier. And you know, you see other signs. For example, Walt Disney Company allows. Uh, their workers at their theme parks to for the first since 19 or since 2012 I think it was they f- they allow their workers to have a you know very trimmed facial hair and that's a break in the wall too um, so you do see a, a, a gradual softening of these hard lines that uh, that were built up in the 20th century and and that opens new opportunities and new acceptance, I think, to a wider range of, you know, facial hair. Well, I certainly hope so, because, you know, we all <laughs> don't have strong chins. You know, growing some facial hair does does a lot for the, right. the symmetry of, of, of some folks' faces. This is this is a, a discrimination against the the weak chin uh, uh, among us, uh, of which I well, include myself. In, and on that point, I want and, and this may be another of those facts that people don't realize about facial hair. Here's one. Yeah. Uh, maybe people don't realize that the United States Supreme Court ruled in 1976 in a case called Kelly versus Johnson that uh, that um, employers, including public employers like police departments and so forth, can can uh, uh, issue regulations uh, on their employees' facial hair. This was a case involving police in New York State. And um, in other words, the Supreme Court has ruled that employers have the right to dictate facial hair to their employees. It, it, it's... Uh, it, it goes back to the signaling business that yeah. they want companies want to have their their company look professional uh, and reliable. You know, vote for us, and if you want to put it in electoral terms, and um, and and uh, so in other words, what that means is that actually Americans do not have the right uh, to wear facial hair wow. if their employer disapproves. It's not one of our rights. And that underscores my point that it's an important set of signals, so important that the Supreme Court has decided that you can't make that decision for yourself. All right. Well, I have a, I have, I have, I have a question here for you, and I'm going to ask you to project a little bit into the future here, Christopher. But uh, if you were to place money and bet on <laughs> the next president that has facial hair, what kind of facial hair they would have and why, what would you say? I, I, well, I, I think it would be very modest, very trim. Yeah. Um, and I think you could, you could do it if that presidential candidate could kind of correctly stride that balance where he looks like he is professional and put together and trustworthy in that sense. But uh, the facial hair could work for him in terms of his toughness, right? Um, you know, maybe if Pete Buttigieg had a little facial hair, he might he might be the right balance. He looks a little too young and a little too. <laughs> he does. He has uh, yeah. He has a know. very he has a very muppety kind of look to him. But you're saying all right. Yeah. So so let's let, let let let's take Buttigieg for example then. Uh, yeah. uh, what, 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 what would you put on him? A beard, a mustache, maybe a little, uh, no. little goatee. 
You know, I would I would tell a politician to stay clear of the mustache. Uh, the mustache is even more strongly associated with roguishness. Uh, and it's in, enshrined in our film, uh, even in the present day. Uh, the, the bad guys, they tend to give them a mustache. And if you look at, if you watch the, even the comedies and so forth, if the, if, if one of the characters wants to act bad or yeah. go bad, in fact, Breaking Bad, what does he have? You know, he, he eventually gets a mustache and then face and a full beard at the end of the series. Uh, but, um, and, and so I would, uh, any politician needs to stay clear of a mustache. I think a beard can work for you to make you more uh, grandfatherly, more wise, like what I was referring to earlier. Hmm. So you would, so you would throw a beard on Buttigieg? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and, and, and so then you would, uh, you would say that that would be a, a trimmed, good looking yeah. beard. Is, right. is probably the most likely uh, uh, to, right. to kind of pass pass muster because I guess a know, beard. I mean, like, like Steve Jobs had a beard. Grow a nice, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, because I, I guess yeah, you're thinking like Steve Jobs had a beard. Like that's what we want. Yeah. You know, if you were going to be the the, the forward thinking kind right. of guy, which I think like, a Buddha judge yeah, that would be, or Yang, or 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 Andrew Yang, he might be the guy to do it. I think for Buttigieg, I think one of the reasons he doesn't have facial hair, among others, is that you know it fits his the the idea that he's trying to project, which is I was in the military, and you know so he looked clean shaven in the military for sure. Yeah. And so he's trying to maintain, if you know, part of it is maintain that look like he's a soldier, you know. But you know, there might be some advantage in having a little bit of a beard. Okay, can we get back to the mustache hate for for two seconds because. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll shave in just for laughs. I'll just shave in a mustache, yeah. right? And yeah. I have just the the kind of uh, uh, casual foul slander that comes along go. with having a mustache is staggering. Mm. Like it's yeah. not even just that looks stupid. It's not even mm. just that's uh, uh, it looks like a, a, a you know something that's outdated. It's almost universally sexual and and mm-hmm. and, and and that's mm-hmm. the kind the side porn stash Por- yeah. yeah it's either porn stash or like you're gonna molest somebody like there is just yeah. and these are like friends that just pop off with this it has always fascinated me that the mustache mm-hmm. just immediate almost like a a, a, a a trigger it just it just sets yeah. people off on this very weird tangent yep I, I totally, I totally understand that, and uh, and that underscores the point that it's it's built right in. It's almost an automatic response. People don't even think about what they're saying. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. It, it's 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 immediate, and and it's it's just. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess you're right. So so, is it in your opinion some evolutionary tick that we evolve into representation in our art, or is it our art? poisoning our uh our, our point of view on it oh it's it's art it's 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 our culture that we we create over time but we create these these sets of meanings uh and these the the symbolism that goes into these things you know in other times not all that long ago a mustache would have been considered quite handsome and um would have evoked you know a response of admiration um, but that's not where we are now. And it, and that, that, as I said, again, that happened at the beginning of the 20th, 20th century. And 
until we move out of this phase, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be like that. Yeah, that is the weird thing, because the beard has definitely been rehabbed. Like like the beard yeah. is is now uh, semi uh, professional or at least now that that the idea yeah. of like, oh, the richest people in the world are 18 year olds uh, wearing jeans and a T-shirt. Now mm-hmm. we've kind of, you know, the, the, that that's the new captive of industry. OK, they have beards, whatever. But for whatever reason, the mustache got left behind. The mustache, yeah. the mustache has not benefited <laughs> from this boom. Well, I, I, I do think that, you know, it made it popular and admirable for many for a long time in the past. It was its association with the military military. The honor that we associate with a military officer was bestowed upon the mustache and vice versa. You know, um, so someone wearing a mustache was might have been attacked only for being arrogant and, and maybe presuming to look like a military man. But. But maybe if our military were to reintroduce uh, the mustache, then it would help to restore uh, our opinion. If we, you know, so if we started mandating that, that officers wear mustaches. Well, that's what they did in the 19th century. Ah. That's exactly what they did. Not in the United States, but all the European militaries uh, in the late 19th century mandated all their soldiers. And if you were too young to grow a mustache, you had to wear a fake one. What? Fake? Yep. You were issued a fake mustache? Well, I don't know that you were issued one. You just had to go get one. It was up to <laughs> you. had to pass muster. Take yeah. it out of petty cash. Go buy yourself a mustache, kid. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And if you didn't have, in the early days, they might just use boot black, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. Where did the yeah. sexual thing come from? I mean, was that just because I, I would think of it now as like, oh, it's a porn thing from like the 70s. But yeah. uh, uh, is that really where it begins? No, no, I, no. It goes back earlier, and it's the, the the sexual thing has to do with with that roguish individualism, you know, tough guy. You know, there are some women at some point in their life that will respond to that, uh, you know, that that bad boy, you know, yeah, um, puckish charm, and. And that the porn industry, the porn actors picked up on that and said, I'm going to look like a bad guy because I am. I'm yeah. going to go out and ravish women, you know, and, and that worked. And then, it, in, you know, more recent times, we associate it with that. Huh. Well, except for like the hips. Now, now there's like the new, uh, you know, I'm going to wax my mustache in a weird kind of way, which yeah. is obviously a throwback to a different era. But now mm-hmm. I, I guess... Is that that that's just like the new kind of like foppish dilettante, right? Yeah, there there are a lot of guys that like to evoke that old fashioned look, you know, uh, and evoke, old, invoke at the same time that old fashioned masculinity. It's sort of a bit of a rebellion against our modern times. Uh, and there's there are all kinds of versions of that, but that's one of them. But none of these, I mean, because you know, look, there's. Obviously, there's a benefit to being a good-looking presidential candidate, uh, but you don't want to mm. be overtly <laughs> like you don't. You want to be like, oh, like like my wife thinks that this candidate's handsome, not like this dude's going to bang my wife, uh, uh, which right, I guess right. the mustache would say. And in the same way, you can be, oh, I'm I want to be old-fashioned. I mean, that's something that that we hear a lot, especially with uh, mm-hmm. you know certain candidates that you know we want to bring things back to the way things used to be, you know, maybe have some respect for your elders and stuff, but you don't want to wax a handlebar mustache to really get that across. 
No, no, you don't want to. Do, you don't want to do that. And I will say, appropriate. Uh, I mean, apropos to what you just mentioned, women have been more resistant, uh, particularly in politics. And there's even a study that suggested that women uh, react negatively to politicians with facial hair even more so than men. And I think that that's because that they're queuing in on some of those um, those signals very strongly. Hmm. So this is the, the the clean shaven politician beyond the idea that obviously this demonstrates that you shave every day. So therefore you are reliable. It's mm-hmm. just let's not take the chance, even if even if, yeah. you know, if I'm making my first impression with the nation, I don't even want to take the chance that any fraction of women are going to look at me and say, nope, absolutely not. He's got a beard. Well, and uh, there's. Uh, you know, I can't prove this, but it, it's close to uh, it's quite reasonable to say that J- Thomas Dewey lost at least the second election in 1948, uh, part, uh, largely on the women's vote, possibly uh, uh, reacting quite negatively to his mustache. And there is a lot of anecdotal evidence uh, of women in particular reacting quite negatively to him, even Republican women. Republic. So I did not know. It. So Dewey defeats Truman. The hidden right. meaning behind that is that that's that, that, right. That it, it was it, he was a mustache away from the White House. Yep, and he even made a joke about that um, after he lost in '48, and he was still governor of New York. Yeah, he had uh, some uh, one time he had um, some Boy Scouts visiting the governor's mansion, and he just said to them, and it was recorded by a newspaper man. Remember, fellows, any boy can become a president unless he's got a mustache. <laughs> and, and that's a direct quote. Uh, and and uh, he was half joking, but half not joking, because I think in the aftermath, he realized it, it was a very close election. Yeah. And um, and he lost by just a couple, you know, 10, 50, 50 60,000 votes nationwide, if you count the critical states. And... Um, and all that negative feeling about his mustache certainly played a role. Well, I, I don't think that we can end any stronger than that. Uh, I would <laughs> like to thank my guests uh, today. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for for coming on. Uh, this has been uh, this has been fantastic. Oh, I've enjoyed it. Yes, thank you. Uh, and again, uh, Christopher Oldstone Moore, the senior lecturer of history at Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, please go pick up his book of beards and men, the revealing history of facial hair. And and by the way, uh, my uh, uh, thoughts uh, to you and the entire Dayton community. I know you guys just suffered uh, suffered a real uh, natural disaster out there, right? Yeah, I wasn't personally affected, but yeah, there were a, a lot of people that were. Yeah, thanks for that. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, thanks.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>